Hello, my name's Tom Walker. Welcome to That Will Be The Day. In this podcast, I'm going to be talking to a visually impaired man who, shall we say, has experienced one or two difficulties with being helped to get off and on aeroplanes. But before we hear from Martin Conway, if you like the music at the start of this podcast, it's a track called That'll Be The Day by the Liverpool band The Vow. And as always, I'll be featuring a track by the band at the end of this podcast. To find out which one it is, stay tuned. Now, if you follow the news quite closely, you'll be aware that the BBC security correspondent Frank Gardner, who uses a wheelchair, has complained loudly over having to wait for ages before being helped to disembark from various aeroplanes. Only recently, he tweeted angrily about being left on a flight at Gatwick Airport, which was returning from Madrid. Mr Gardner isn't alone. Martin Conway is totally blind and is a frequent flyer. He has had a number of similar experiences. I started by asking Martin why he flies so regularly between Manchester and Ireland. Normally, I wouldn't have travelled as often as I have this summer. But unfortunately, the travel issues that people, I guess, know about, especially for people with the disability, have coincided with the resurgence of Derry GAA, and in particular, the Gaelic football team. So they have been on a run uh, in the Ulster Championship initially, and we've now reached the All-Ireland Championship semi-final. So that has meant that I have travelled over three times in the last six to eight weeks. Um twice to Belfast and then most recently to Dublin and uh, coming from Manchester on each occasion. I think it's fair to say, uh, just for a bit of context, that you are what I would call a sports nut. We've had the, uh, we've had the, you know, we've had the cricket on this morning there as uh, England chased down a record 378 for them to win the fifth test from last year against India. And then we've had a bit of tennis going on there in the background. So, yeah, I mean, I would say it's probably the soundtrack to my life, Tommy, sport. Before we talk about the recent issues you've had um, flying between Manchester and Ireland, tell me what a good flight looks like, feels like to you. Well, I mean, generally, and and, uh, again, any of your listeners who who have um, needed special assistance in the past will know but basically, we are generally onto the flight first and off the flight last. And, you know, you get used to that uh, way of doing things. Obviously, it means that we have to wait a bit longer at the destination end, at the arrival's end of the journey. But you wouldn't wait that long? No, no. I mean, normally you prepare yourself for a five to ten minute wait, uh, maybe after people have left the flight and you can be the last on there. But usually the assistants do, on a good day, arrive as the last passengers would be leaving. For people who don't know, what does the assistants actually do? Just describe what it actually involves rece- receiving assistance. Well, in my case, as somebody with no vision, uh, what it involves is somebody effectively guiding you, walking alongside, and you take their elbow and they take you from uh, the, whatever the assistance area is in the airport through security, uh, which is obviously fun always for everybody, and take you all the way to hopefully the gate, uh, where they may stay with you or they may leave you, and some other member of assistance may then come back and take you from the gate onto the aeroplane. Are they well trained? 
Uh, I think they're given some pretty basic training. I mean, I'm not sure how much the training involves. Um, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, and most people are... I mean, quite often as a, as a visually impaired person, somebody will initially approach you with a wheelchair because, um, because the, the, I mean, to many people, that's still what they think you need. Uh, and then you can have a quick discussion with them usually. Um, I usually point to my more than ample girth and actually have and say to the would-be uh, wheelchair pusher, say, now, do you really want to push that wheelchair or would you be happy for me to just walk with you? And nine times out of ten, they obviously make a sensible decision and we walk. At Charles de Gaulle, I remember uh, them turning up with a wheelchair and I can speak a little bit of French. So I was able to explain that obviously I could walk. So we put my rather large rucksack in the wheelchair and wheeled it through the airport. When we got to security, I could tell they were pointing at it saying, why is that in the uh, wheelchair and not the visually... Probably handicapped, they would have said, man, that you've got with you. But so, yeah, so normally it's a wheelchair. You turn it down and you get through security. Do you get through more quickly being helped? Yeah, I think you do. From what I've been told, Thomas, yes. I mean, the assistance lane, as they call it, uh, the assistance lane is quicker. Um, I mean, uh, the, the what they will also do, is, I, b- I believe, in assistance in airports, is they will, if, if someone's coming with someone needing assistance, but they don't actually need the formal assistance from the from the airport staff, the ground staff, they will happily let somebody take their assistance passenger into the assistance lane and and uh, operate that way so that they can also get the benefit of moving past some of the worst of the queues. It's interesting you say that because having some useful uh, vision, I often just take take my chances and get through. But when I went on holiday to Cuba, I was in Havana and um, I got taken through by the assistants and then sat in this minibus for about three hours wondering where everybody was. And when they got in, they complained of the most horrendous delays. Right. So, uh, yes, it can be quicker, I think, if you uh, get assistance. Well, so more recently, Frank Gardner, BBC security correspondent, among many other disabled people, um, has experienced problems when disembarking from uh, an aircraft. You've had the same problems. Um, pr- rather than tell us about them all, just give us a generic description of what's happened to you. Well, I suppose it's we could summarise it by saying a lack of assistance. Uh, so on the 15th of May, I was flying back from Belfast to Manchester on a Sunday night. Uh, we got back at uh, maybe half past 11 and myself and the EasyJet uh, flight crew were left uh, together with the captain busily phoning for assistance. Um, I think he came back at one point and said it could be up to an hour and a half. And as his flight uh, attendants were needed the next day, I think within maybe 12 hours, he wasn't keen on that. And uh, obviously neither were EasyJet, who have enough of their own problems. And uh, they they then, uh, as, a, as I think what happened was the EasyJet duty manager came out of the airport and actually took me down the steps on that occasion and into Manchester Airport. Um, on another occasion, I've had an actual missed flight coming back from Belfast to Manchester. That was on the 29th of May, again on a Sunday night quite late. And that was just an announcement at 22.11 that the flight wouldn't be travelling. And I mean, that worked out OK because it was just opposite. There was a hotel opposite uh, Belfast International Airport and we ended up staying in there and it didn't put us out greatly, but I'm sure other people were 
were probably more put out. Um, Being as you've mentioned a couple of incidents, um, they're not just confined to Manchester and Belfast, are they? Oh, no, no. Well, Belfast, there hadn't been many real problems. Manchester and then, of course, I experienced Dublin uh, last week. Uh, and that I was... Uh, it, it was well known that Dublin had had problems, particularly with queues and security, and they were advising people to turn up as three and a half hours before a flight, if it was an international flight. Um, and certainly in Dublin, when we arrived uh, again um, late in June, uh, there was a myself and actually two other uh, wheelchair uh, passengers were sat in a plane, and this was a bit more well. It was certainly worrying for them because. One of them was wanting to transfer to a flight to Washington. One of them was wanting to transfer to a flight to Los Angeles. And as I said to the Dublin uh, person who finally came on the plane asking us where did we need to go, I said, I'm only trying to get to Croke Park, which is on the north side of Dublin. <laughs> uh, but I thought that was just as important or even more important than going to L.A. or 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 uh, or, or Washington. But uh, they, they were obviously very worried. And we waited maybe 45 minutes on that occasion. And... Um, the cleaners actually came onto the plane and were cleaning around us, which was a different experience. That um, might explain why some people occasionally have a dirty table. Well, it may well, and and of course we're adding to these delays. Um, so the so so the cleaners uh were very very I have to say extremely polite, and they said, "Excuse me, can we come onto this plane to clean?" And I actually said to this lady, I said, "Well, you've got your job to do, and if you're waiting for us to get off it before you have to do it." you're going to struggle. So, you, of course, you need to come on. Um, so that was the most recent trip, and that was going to Dublin, and we still managed to miss the first 10 minutes of the match, even though I'd been over. Obviously, I thought I'd left myself enough time. Um, and then the following day, coming back, we landed in Manchester on a Sunday afternoon at about 3 o'clock, uh, about an hour delayed, and it was a, there was another uh, incident on the flight where someone needed a doctor, I believe, and coming from Dublin. And uh, and I found myself with the uh, Aer Lingus crew, who were very nice indeed, extremely nice people. Um, but the passengers had all left the flight, had all gone on their buses into the terminal, because uh, you don't seem to be able to go anywhere in an airport now without getting on a bus. Um, and I was sat with the crew, so we got to talking about what assistance I needed. And I said, I eventually said to somebody, well, I don't need any assistance to sit on a bus. So surely I could get on one of these buses and go into the terminal. And I did actually go as far as coming down the steps of the plane with their agreement and talking to the driver of one of these buses. And he was willing up to a point to let me on the bus. But his concern obviously was what would happen beyond that point at the terminal. Because if he said, if I leave you at the terminal and something was to happen, obviously he'd feel a certain amount of guilt. Um and the context was, of course, that a man had recently died at Gatwick Airport. I think he was trying to go up an escalator and fell. And they were very aware of that. Everyone seemed to know that by this stage, including the Aer Lingus crew, um, uh, who, who obviously said to me that, you know, they wouldn't sleep at night, etc., etc. Um, I, I was asked one question, which I, had, I must admit, I, I was a little bit frustrated at this stage. And uh, they did. Uh, I, had to, had, I paused before I answered. When asked, are you partially sighted or have you have you no vision? And of course, I had to then pause for a second, try to put myself in their shoes and actually admit that I had no vision at all. At which point the driver said, well, I couldn't possibly take you in there because I don't know what would happen. 
And then I had to go through the business of actually climbing back up the steps of the plane. More dangerous. Which was a little frustrating. Oh, well, the cabin crew were very much there in attendance. but uh, So I certainly wasn't on my own and they weren't leaving me. I have to say they were extremely, uh, you know, attentive, really. And I could try to see it from their point of view. You know, I obviously got a little bit frustrated, um, which didn't get any more than me putting my head in my hands and saying, do we really have to climb back up the steps of the plane? But, you know, when I put myself in their position, uh, as a social worker as I am in in life, um, dealing with people who maybe I would perceive as a vulnerable adult, I had to try to put myself in their position and say, well, actually, would I leave somebody somewhere if I felt that I was responsible for their welfare? And, of course, that was how these people saw me. I mean, Um, you are quite a phlegmatic person in a lot of ways, really, but I was going to ask you about how you feel every time this happens, because if it were me, I've got to be honest and say... I think the word frustrated would immediately spring to mind. Well, frustrating is, is certainly how you feel, Tommy. And, and, and of course, I'd only been a week earlier on the radio um, being asked those same questions on Five Live with Claire MacDonald. And uh, I think I said something pretty blasé, like, um, well, we just got to be more philosophical, Claire, when we travel. And, you know, it comes right back at you because there I was over a week later experiencing this for myself when it was a considerable delay and not just a slight delay. And actually wondering, would you get home? And when would you get home? And I suppose you feel powerless. I suppose people feel powerless to influence their, their situation. And I suppose I did actually say to a number of people, you'd be tempted to get talking to a passenger on a flight now and just literally latch on to somebody and go, come on, I'm coming off with you. Pretend to be with them. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. I'm with you. I'm with you now. Yeah. Let's go. When We're friends. Ass- when the assistance does turn up, yeah, um, I'm guessing they're both apologetic, but they do they explain why it's happened yeah i mean well i mean they, they do Tom. i mean i I've, I've had i mean when it, when i began this sort of uh odyssey of 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 of, of travel this year uh starting in may uh, i was over and i was in manchester airport and, and a guy did explain to me that that pre-pandemic they had 165 members of staff and on that day he said to me with about 55 now and he also said we have trained uh we, we we're all the time trying to get new new starters, recruit people. He said recently, he said we had 18 new recruits and he was able to tell me that of those 18 new recruits, two had survived to his knowledge and were still working now in the airport. Real attrition, as they call it. Attrition and, and it's stressful. And I mean, they, 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 I mean, another point to make, about, I suppose, more generally, certainly in Manchester Airport, obviously I was now thinking this Aer Lingus flight that's come in on a Sunday afternoon was an hour delayed. I'm now delaying this flight further. There are other passengers waiting to get on a flight. Now, the one thing that, uh, and I, I don't think it was just for my benefit, the actual pilot of the Aer Lingus plane said to me, don't be thinking you're delaying us in, on our next flight. Because in Manchester Airport, they explained to me, there wasn't enough baggage handlers that day. So it's a, it's across the board, isn't it? Yeah, so they actually said, well, we can't unload the baggage all of it anyway, so we won't be able to take off on our next flight, so those passengers will have to wait. So to be clear, really, it's cuts or a, a reduction in staffing, maybe post-COVID as much as anything. A reduction in staffing, well, as I understand it, these people weren't furloughed. Uh, and there was an expectation, I think, simply that they would come back. And they all found other jobs? Well, they, must have, they may have found less stressful jobs, and... And I think there was an issue where, particularly maybe the budget airlines were very keen to go back up to full capacity at the earliest opportunity. And I think they obviously did that because they had a, taken a hit for a couple of years. 
But they also did that without clearly communicating with the airports to actually say, well, do we have the people to actually physically run these flights? Um, and at the moment, in some airports, clearly the answer is we don't. I guess the solution is obvious. Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, increase the wages, I, mean, I would imagine, would be a good start. Increase the wages, look after your staff, um, you know. Um, and I mean, I have met people, I have to say, over the course of the last couple of months in these various airports that I've mentioned, Dublin, Belfast, Manchester, who clearly like doing the job and actually enjoy doing what they do and uh, and say that, you know, they're, they're happy to be assistance workers, but obviously they're undervalued at the minute. And I guess they're getting a lot of stress from people who aren't as phlegmatic as you and are uh, well, probably shouting at them, uh, whatever you mean, and so on. Well, people who have actually missed flights, no doubt. Well, you'd understand that. Yeah, of course. And, and uh, you know, and if, I mean, I, I believe that the, the ladies I was with the other week were both, were going to be OK because by the time I got away to, to get to Croke Park, uh, there was somebody there with them and it looked like they were going to get their flights. But, you know, I did actually say to the lady who was transferring to Washington, I said, what's your plan B? And she said, well, I don't really have one. And she'd come in from Manchester. Um, so, you know, it was going to be an expensive day for OCS if if, uh, if she didn't make her flight. But I was I was assuming that she did. What's your plan? Are you going to carry on flying to and from Ireland or are you going to have a little rest maybe and see whether things improve? Well, as long as the, as well, as long as the, as you say, we have this, you know, our, our, our sport in uh uh, dreams have to be followed, Tommy, to the to the end. So so you know we're at it. We're off again at the weekend. I'll be off again to watch Derry play Galway in Dublin at Croke Park Stadium. But uh, I'm 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 going for a different tack this this weekend, and we'll see if it works any better. That is a very early morning flight from Belfast to Liverpool. Uh, in fact, the other way around. From Liverpool, Liverpool to Belfast. Belfast. Liverpool to Belfast. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then meet my cousin who lives in Belfast, who goes to these matches also, and then be driven down to Dublin. And then on the Sunday, repeat the, the process and come back to Belfast to get a flight back to Liverpool. And because I have noticed that at Belfast, it's been the assistance has been less pressured. It seems to be much less pressured. And at Liverpool also, having travelled to Liverpool a few times recently through Liverpool, I've also noticed it seems to be quite a lot less pressured than they have been in some of the other airports I've mentioned. So I'm going to try that this weekend and see if it works. When you hear about Frank Gardner and his problems, do you think it's helpful that somebody as high profile as him is able to raise awareness? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Frank is well known. And, uh, you know, his, his. I mean, even obviously the, the, the cause of his his disability even is well known, of course, with his, with his uh, correspondence. But I think, yeah, I think it, it certainly highlights... Uh, the uh, the difficulties people have and I think in some ways for Frank uh, from what I understand or at least one instance it was much worse because he actually travelled with his own wheelchair and uh, and then he couldn't get his wheelchair back so it was actually his own wheelchair that was missing so he couldn't keep it with him obviously and he couldn't it seemed that he couldn't it was taken from him I think that was one of his um, one of his his complaints at the time as far as I remember. The issue um, of wheelchairs is is one that's quite quite prominent, really, because you do hear about wheelchair users, as you say, who seem to be uh, who seem to lose their wheelchairs. It's absolutely yes. horrendous. Yes, and, and you know, and when you when you consider how difficult it is for the airport to provide you know wheelchairs uh, for people who need them, you know, you would think that obviously they could at least you know look after somebody who arrives with their own wheelchair, uh, you know, which obviously suits their needs. You know, neither of us. Uh, 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 blokes who stand on their their dignity particularly I would say but there is a dignity issue here isn't there 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I suppose it's about it's about recognizing that people all have lives and people all have lives of kind of equal value, don't they? And, you know, we all have places to go, you know. Um, and I don't think, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't think there's an assumption from anybody who works in assistance that disabled people don't have uh, equally important things to do or places to be. Uh, but but I think maybe, you know, I don't know um, whether it's, it's uh, maybe in the general public, there's a perception that, you know, well, you know, you can afford to wait or, you know, because you know you're not going somewhere that's that's as important as say a businessman on the way to a meeting or. Now I know you're nature. not. I know you're not qualified to answer this question, but I've got to ask you it. Are you optimistic that the situation will be resolved, or do you think you are going to face a summer of uh, missing ten minutes of the start of GAA games? Well, I'm going much earlier, Thomas. So we're gonna we're gonna take every every effort to avoid that, that happening in the next with the remaining few weeks of this uh, of this particular. All Ireland Championship season, uh, which could involve either one or two more games, um, but I I don't think it's going to improve quickly. Obviously, people are concerned about school holidays that are now coming up here in England, um, and and you know I think unless they're prepared to, um, I guess it comes down to wages in the end, and uh, these organisations must be making a big enough profit to maybe increase the wage to people, and uh, but it might be. A year before we recover, you know, maybe maybe things will be better by next summer. I, I, I don't know. If there were any wood on my head, I'd be touching it. Uh, Martin, indeed. thank you very much indeed. That was Martin Conway there. Martin, thanks very much for that. OK, so which vowel track have I chosen? Well, it's this one, Big Bird. <laughs> 